Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And CJ. And we're also joined by a drip outside that is apparently just going off of the house after this rainy day in Portland. Yeah. Um, which may or may not turn up in our, our post-audio, so... Hopefully it's not picked up. Yeah. We're possibly re- blaming CJ. It's my mutant power manifesting. I'm, I'm sorry. Uncontrollable weather powers reflecting your feelings and emotions. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I, I think I need some guidance. I was thinking yeah. about maybe enrolling in school. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm not sure where it would take you. Yeah, I don't know either. They stretch the definition of gifted youngsters, I feel like, with some of the X-Men. But <laughs> once you get into your 30s, I'm not sure you're allowed to be a superhero anymore. Dang it, really? <laughs> or a student, which uh, is the same thing. <laughs> I'll just be a janitor. I'll pick up what I can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> finish the the mutant power equation on the blackboard when no one's looking. And they'll be like, "Who did this?" Well, we're talking about new mutants today, and new mutants of all X, you know, X titles kind of had the best having a few humans around as supporting cast on a regular basis. Yeah, like yeah, you could yeah. you could work at the school. Why not? I mean, you can keep a secret. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to get some human representation in media. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So yeah, we're, we're talking about a New Mutants fanfic today. Not just X-Men, but New Mutants specifically, like the mm. old New Mutants, like the good New Mutants, the Claremont and later Louise Simonson New Mutants. And I suppose we should ask what background we all have with that particular title. Well, for me, New Mutants-wise, not much. Mm-hmm. I'm a big X-Men fan. Uh, but I, I've had very little exposure to the New Mutants, mm-hmm. so I had I had a lot of fun homework to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm this. sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do know that there's supposed to be a movie. Yeah. I, I had this fanfic kind of in mind for a long time, because it's one that I read a long time ago. We'll come back to that. Hmm. And it was good. I wanted to reread it. And I was like, oh, well, we'll never make it before the movie comes out. And then the movie was pushed back. And then I didn't get around to it again. Then the movie huh. was pushed back again. And so what do you know? We are able to talk about this before the New Mutants movie comes out. Amazing. Meant to be. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little worried about that movie, to tell you the truth. It seems to have been stuck in development or, you know, hell for some time. I watched the trailer for it, uh-huh. and it's kind of like a horror movie. I was kind of well, surprised. At least yeah. that's what the trailer No, that that like. seems to be what they're going for. And that's, like, early New Mutants had a lot of horror in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not exactly the same genre they're going for here, but, like, uh, it's kind of famous for trippy horror stuff in some of the early storylines. Uh, I'm still surprised that's the direction they went with it. Like, I still wouldn't have expected that, actually, in you know, the movie adaptation. I'm kind of I'm mm. kind of excited about it, though. It's a new way to look at it. This whole... I mean, how many X-Men movies do we have now? And now... Uh, I remember two. Yeah. Two? Yeah, that, that's as many as I've seen. I think, I think there's a lot all. more. I, I remember six. X-Men and X2. There's Wolverine. And after that, I'm pretty sure the franchise ended. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but now uh. that Marvel owns the property again, they're going to start over, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Because it's so popular. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of excited to see like a different take, like 
seeing people manifest all these strange powers would be kind of terrifying. Yeah. I am so hoping if they still uh, have Ilyana's powers, teleport people directly through hell to get anywhere. Like right. that's that's what I want from that movie is for them to like, use that power and gradually realize like what exactly they're doing each time they like invoke it. Oh my gosh. And oh, it'd be so good. That's what I want from a horror new sure. mutants is for her to not know that. In the comics you never get that because like weird time shenanigans she basically grows up in the hell dimension right Mm -hmm. but like i like i'm kind of excited like yeah by the prospect of kind of that like new genre stuff like that's a great idea there amato like but you know like legion did that whole like that tv show did like Mm -hmm. that whole trippy psychedelic thing i really liked what they did with like um, well, I don't want to spoil it, but they treated a lot of mental illness in it, and they they kind of brought the genre to a little bit of a different, like, more real place and less action-y. Yeah, I can imagine and, the New Mutants movie having a similar tone if they did it yeah, well. Yeah, which I think is great because, I mean, you know, if you go back and look, especially, I think, at X-Men, that's a lot of what was going on in, like, the 80s and the 90s is, like, people trying to make being a mutant kind of more like a more real thing and involve like the elements of horror or Mm. psychology mental illness i guess that were because if you know you're dealing with multiple characters with different personalities and backgrounds not everybody's experience is going to be the same so it's exciting to see a a movie possibly reflect that so totally yeah well going back to background i grew up on chris claremont x-men and it was just from, because I liked Nightcrawler, and so I like get, got things with Nightcrawler mm-hmm. in it. And I, like, the one subscription to a, I don't know how it ended up happening. It must have just been, like, running into issues at, like, friends' houses or in, like, old, you know, boxes at comic book conventions or whatever. But, like, the one thing I subscribed to as a kid was the, the reprints of Claremont X-Men in the early 90s, the classic mm-hmm. X-Men series. Or maybe it was X-Men Classic. Those were two different titles. X-Men Classic. And I subscribed to that up until it ended and I got shifted over to um, What If. But what was I saying? So, like, I ran into the New Mutants peripherally back just from reading those kinds of titles and getting, you know, picking up old issues of stuff. And later, I eventually went back and reread it, at least up until it started transforming into X Force, which mm. is, I mean, the fanfic we're about to read is a, you know, sometimes they call it a fix it fanfic where, like, the title took a turn that the fans did not like. And what do you know, this fanfic picks up just before the series took a turn that fans did not like. You know, just about right that time. And it's definitely set in, like, 1987, before the whole, like, bird brain arc. And so, and, like, that's significantly before things started getting into, like, Cable and X-Force-y kind of stuff. And being passed off of, like, out of the hands in, of the old creative teams into the new ones. I don't know how much that, that means to you all, but... Uh, Tori, New Mutants. Yeah, uh, actually, like, very little background with New Mutants. I read a lot of Uncanny X-Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm familiar I'm with, more familiar with Claremont, too. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I don't... I, it's very possible that I read some New Mutants here and there, but it would have been so long ago. I definitely had to do a lot of, like, research just to pick up on who the characters were for this. But, you know, there's so much X-Men information, like, there's so much story out there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've definitely, like, absorbed some of the things peripherally just from being aware of superhero comics. But, 
really kind of come into this like I came into this not really knowing the characters very well so I'd be interesting to hear like someone's experience with the characters and how they might be different in this fan fiction yeah I'm no expert I'm more uncanny and early Excalibur than New Mutants in like mm-hmm. what I'm really familiar with but I I know quite a bit of it and I have read it all and it's really interesting having both of you going into this fanfic pretty unfamiliar with the New Mutants because we have like, that's where the character's coming from, too, right? Like, yeah. they have to, like, introduce the character to everything uh, at the start of this. Well, yeah, and then, yeah. this is actually pretty great because, like, the like I wasn't sure at first if the, the character was the author's creation, but it, like, seemed pretty, she absolutely seemed is, pretty yeah. clear, yeah. yeah. But I was like, maybe it's a character I know because I don't know the characters. But um, it is a great way to introduce all the other characters. Like, I didn't feel like I needed a background in New Mutants at all to no. get this. Yeah, the author did really well. And it's, it's like, are you familiar with Magneto? Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you're probably good to go. Mm-hmm. I know, I felt like they <laughs> yeah. would prob- describe something that was probably pretty obvious for the fan base. And I was like, ooh, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I felt good about myself. Totally. Yeah, the fanfic we're reading today is Kid Dynamo. It is a novel, and it's been a while since we read a fan novel. Mm-hmm. But for today, we're trying a new thing. We're only going to read and discuss the first half of it today. And then we'll actually be able to make predictions, you know, high school English class style. And, like, see where the author was going with it when we come back next week to finish it off. Awesome. This is a real classic fanfic. It was published in an APA in the late 80s. Um, Are you familiar with APAs? No. They're like a zine where you only get a copy if you contribute to the zine. That's the basic idea. An amateur publishing association, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it was apparently originally published in the XAPA magazine in late 80s. And then it was posted to Usenet in 1992, which still makes it super early internet fan fiction. Totally. You know, for this genre. And so it's famous both because it was really, really early and because it was pretty well received. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm happy that we're getting to go to it. Yeah, it's pretty well written. According to fan lore... Such was the popularity of the story that it was the only fanfic included in the FAQ for the Rec Arts Comics Marvel X-Books news group. Wait, what? <laughs> Say uh, that again? I mean, it, it, it's like, it was like the only fanfic recommended by, yeah. you know, a news group, like the Got main it. X-Book discussion, FAQ, cool. whatever. Uh, somewhat famous among certain quarters. At this point, probably no one remembers it. But I ran into it uh, re-archived on the Pride and Wisdom fanfic archive as a kid, which was focused on shipping like stories shipping kitty pride and this character from warren ellis's run of excalibur that no one cares about anymore but it also had like sections for like general excalibur and like new mutants that and like other x-men and stuff sounds so niche <laughs> uh it wasn't that niche at the time because it was really? like actually kind of ongoing uh do they have any crossover of the well it, it had different sections and so it had I the see. section of fanfics about that but it also had some other stuff hmm. it's this pride and wisdom where like Kitty Pride's oh, last name sure. and Pete Wisdom's last name. That, that was the name of the archive. Yeah. No longer up on the internet. You can find a link to Kid Dynamo via Wayback Machine at bit.ly slash RFR Dynamo, which is spelled D-Y-N-A-M-O. And I should probably mention the title, the title of the author. The name of the author is Connie Hirsch. H-I-R-S-C-H. I think that's how you say it. And so, ready to jump into it? Ready. Yeah, let's do it. Then, can we just start us off about how this story opens up? Yeah, uh, it is written in the first person mm-hmm. uh, from the point of view of a teenage runaway girl uh, who goes by the name of Jessica, and she is not doing great. She is homeless, but is 
working to get out of that state. She's living at a boarding house. And her mother has died. And uh, she's walking along, and she notices a car is following her. And she tries to play it cool and turn around a corner to get away from the car and start running. But there's another car waiting there for her, and she is kidnapped, essentially, mm-hmm. by people who are posing as some kind of authority. Yeah, like yeah, the, the FBI. Introduce themselves to the FBI. They're actually, what's the organization? The Right? Is yeah, this a different one? Yeah. The right. Yeah, and they're one of like those anti-mutant, you know, hate groups in the Marvel universe that are all pretty much the same, but sometimes they have different names, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. It, they're all, you know, pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and she doesn't resist because she doesn't want to draw any more attention to herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is intriguing. It, it seems like yeah, she fully believes this is actually the FBI. Mm-hmm. So. Until they, like, make her pass out yeah. <laughs> in the backseat of the car. And becomes very clear. And, like, she's, you know, captured and... But she's saved by the New Mutants, like the characters from yes. the the Marvel title, The New Mutants, who are, if you're not super familiar with this part of X-Men continuity, they're, like, younger students who are more supposed to be students than, like, the X-Men were at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, who are, you know, like, studying at Xavier's. And they end up having to do superheroing all the time or choosing to do superheroing all the time because that's that's how superhero comics work. But they're not really supposed to be doing that kind of thing. And their headmaster at this time in continuity is not Charles Xavier. It is uh, Michael Xavier. Is that right? Michael Xavier. Michael Xavier. Mm-hmm. Which is to say it's Magneto. The, yeah. the master of magnetism is himself. Yeah, as they put it frequently, frequently. in this story, <laughs> which is maybe the only part that I really couldn't take very seriously is when they would call him the master of magnetism. It's actually, it slowly became my favorite part. I was oh, yeah. waiting for it. Well, totally. well, they make this point that like he carries himself so like almost pompously with like such, you know, charisma and poise mm-hmm. that it's like, yes, he is the master of magnetism. Right. Yeah, it's a double entendre right yeah <laughs> and um, i've i just like to say this is what probably my favorite incarnation of magneto and mm-hmm. claremont had put a lot of work into getting him to this point sure um having like a heel face turn and then but kind of letting that simmer for a long time before he was kind of brought in as an ally to the x-men and eventually like xavier had to go into space or whatever for his <laughs> love life reasons or whatever as you do like you do (laughs) and like he turned over the school to him everyone loves a reformed villain and you know obviously it doesn't stick but it's just one of those it's one of those superhero title things right we're like a future no actually he he did his he did his back to heel turn while claremont was still writing towards the very end of his run i think Hmm. but then like i remember i forget he bounces back and forth. I think he's basically with the X-Men again at this point in Marvel. But For the sake of the fanfic, he yeah. definitely is. Yeah. He's, even yeah. he's earnestly giving a try to nonviolence and, like, raising and protecting the next generation of mutants. Yeah. Instead of uh, blackmailing the world or forming ironically named, you know, organizations of mutants or whatever. And he's even tolerating a few actual humans at the mansion hanging <laughs> yeah. out. So Well, he seems, from this author's perspective, like, weirdly, like, fully reformed in that he, like, 
loves humans now and he it regrets his actions, but not super remorseful about anything he did, which I feel like is actually like, I don't know how New Mutants takes this tact, mm-hmm. but because he, he doesn't feel at, like, he does feel remorseful, but he's like, oh, but I, I felt like I, I had a, a noble goal or something. So that makes it somehow better than people who have evil goals. Yeah. I actually well, thought he, that worked really well. And I, yeah, I exactly. thought he came off more remorseful than I would yeah and, and he doesn't sure he doesn't absolve himself of responsibility of a lot right. of that stuff either he's like I have to live with that at least I can live with the fact that, like I thought I was doing good which is more than I could right but, like and then like everyone else agrees with him um except our protagonist which we'll get into yeah, but it makes him a lot more like it kind of just like cuts through the whole like uh like any questions the reader might have about where he's at now they're like all right yeah well you, that, that's where he was in the comics you, we don't he have was to think about it anymore. he was earnest yeah and he was acquitted by an international court of law mostly on the basis of like most of the really terrible stuff he do- did was before he was regressed to a baby and you know regrown to an adult sure and so you know they were <laughs> like that makes anybody? him that makes him basically a different person right Probably. <laughs> I guess. I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so the new mutants basically busted and save her from the right. And we should probably do a mutant roll call here just to make sure, like, we've got everybody, right? Yeah. The sure. new mutant at this time, it's uh, it's Magneto. He controls magnets or something. <laughs> he can do all kinds He's of stuff. the master of magnetism, Amato. He's and just magnetic in every way. We've got our co-leaders who are Danny Moonstar, who never actually gets to use her powers once in the entire part of the fanfic that we read. Mm-hmm. She almost does True. once. She like, does in weird. the training room. Oh, I does she, but she's fighting robots. And she manifests a horse, her pegasus, when the oh, yeah. spaceship... Her pegasus is because she's a Valkyrie, though, not because she's a mutant. Right. Oh, see, I thought she was just manifesting it. No, no. She she's do. just got a pegasus because she's a Valkyrie. That's awesome. Be- yeah. Which is something that happened when they were in Asgard. Right, which I didn't know happened until <laughs> the last chapter that we read for the day. So. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, I sneakily read ahead, so I knew that's where her pegasus came from. Yeah, she's know. got psychic things where she can manifest someone's greatest fear or greatest desire, mm. which is like a pretty effective Wait, spot psychic attack. She does do that at the prom. Oh, at the prom. The I guess she does. Yeah, you're right. Briefly. No, you're right. But anyway. And she's co-leader. The other co-leader is Sam Guthrie, who's Cannonball, who gets, is he's nigh invulnerable when he's blasting, and um, he's a good kid. They're mostly all good kids. He's yeah. like from Kentucky. Like He's got a little bit of drawl. Yeah. Um, who else do we have? We have Rain Sinclair. She turns into a wolf and mm-hmm. or a werewolf form. And uh, she's Scottish and Catholic. She writes her own fanfic or something. Wait, no, yeah. she, 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 she's not Catholic. She's extremely Protestant. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, she writes her own fanfic. What was that? Oh. Or no, her own stories. She writes her own stories. That's right, like fantasy and stuff. Yeah. Um, we have Amara, whose backstory is complicated, but basically she's Roman, like from the Roman Empire. Um, and yeah. don't worry about Didn't it. really get that. But... She turns into magma. She controls magma. That's some context that's useful to know now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Doug Ramsey, who uh, speaks all languages and, like, fluently, instantly. And he was killed off before his powers would make him the most powerful person in the world because he does computer languages. Yeah. But it's okay. He was resurrected, and now he's the most powerful person in the world. They just kind of forget about it all the time. And Wait, he has what? an awesome name, <laughs> well, which is look, Cypher. His, his powers are just that he speaks all languages fluently, yeah. and that includes computer languages. So he can just... 
he just can but do computers. They didn't mention that in the Spanish. <laughs> they did. But, they did. Oh, they did. Yeah, oh, that's the okay. only reason I know. It comes up. <laughs> oh, it's just like yeah, it's just kind of like whatever. Do you remember him as a character? Yeah, I, mean, I, just, I All of these characters showed up yeah. in Uncanny and Claremont. It's just right. like they were usually more background. That's true, yeah. I just remember Cypher because he yeah, was Cypher, like... Yeah, Cypher, because he's awesome. I mean, everyone's yeah, pretty awesome. It's a great name. Speaking of awesome, yeah, pretty awesome, we've got Ileana Rasputin, who mm-hmm. is my favorite, and I'm so glad that she gets to just be around being Ileana yeah, Rasputin in this Colossus's fanfic. Colossus's sister. Yeah. And uh, she pull- she grew up in a, you know, alternate timeline hell dimension, which she's also the magical ruler of, and she's got huge yeah. magical powers in that dimension, and not much magical powers in our dimension, but she can also teleport people to and from that dimension. Right. That also involves time travel sometimes, mostly accidentally because of the weird time shenanigans going on. <laughs> and it's all pretty great, but mostly she's great just because she's like, she gets to be the sarcastic one or like the... She's got an attitude. It's she, great. <laughs> right. Yeah. She's got this, you know, very teenage stance of just like, she's a little bit too cool for anything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Most I mean, of the time. If you're a queen of your own pocket <laughs> universe, I mean. <laughs> She's like the gothiest person who doesn't wear black. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think they mention whether she wears black in this fanfic. So, I don't remember her ever maybe. wearing black. It's just not her. Well, I'm, just, I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, she could she be. She could be in this. And her, like, superhero name is Magic with a K. Magic with a K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Jessica's brought back to you know, Xavier's to recuperate and stuff, uh, mostly under the auspices of, who's their nurse? Is their nurse Sharon? No, Sharon's not the nurse. There's another nurse, right? Stevie. Stevie. Is Stevie acting as the nurse? Yeah. Sharon was acting as no? the nurse. Sharon. Oh. Yeah, okay, Sharon. Stevie later when yes. she takes a tour. Yeah, we've got oh, right. Sharon and Stevie, and we've got Sharon's Sorry. husband, whose name I forget, who are kind of like the humans working at the school. Tom. Yeah. Tom. And it's weird for me to, like, think about these characters, and, like, I did a little digging, and I was like, what did happen to Stevie Hunter? Because, like, because it felt so natural reading this fanfic that, like, like, Stevie's around, she's an important character, but basically the authors forgot about her for, like, you know, a decade, and before she, like, yeah. everyone was like, oh, let's, someone who remembered her was like, let's resurface her, and she became, like, a senator. <laughs> I don't know. That's good funny. for her. No, yeah. I think House of Representatives. Okay. Uh, sure. Anyway, she's a former uh, professional dancer turned to dance instructor because she got injured. Yeah. Um, and Sharon and Tom kind of just like are groundskeepers for the most part, but Sharon, I think, is also a, a nurse of some kind. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And because of the exact point we are in continuity, uh, Bobby and Warlock are not present. They're mm-hmm. off in a spinoff title called Fallen Angels for eight issues, which is yeah. going to cover the entire, like, duration of this fanfic um so the author was pretty precise about when this took place it's quite precise i'm sure yeah. they were more precise than i am because i couldn't tell you what issues exactly this takes between takes place between but i'm sure the author would have been able to tell me that and so anyway they're trying to be hospitable and stuff the first main roadblock and the kind of one of the primary go through lines of at least the first half of this fanfic that we've read is that jessica here at least she's going by Jessica, that's, you know, yeah. an assumed name, mm-hmm. has a personal grudge against Magneto, specifically Magneto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Understandably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and not unexpectedly. Yeah, and we get pretty quickly because Magneto... Yeah, like, we can lay out the situation. Yeah, messed up her mother. Her mother was a former member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, apparently, when it operated in Europe for mm-hmm. a little while pre, like, X-Men continuity. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was, like, an anarchist. And and she's a, she was a firepower mutant. Yeah, she went by the name of Firefall and is apparently not 
from what I can tell, a real no, character. She's not canon. She's, she's not. real. She's real in my heart. <laughs> yeah, like Firefall Just is... Fireburn. <laughs> it's like such a mutant name. Like, it's a good name. I'm like, I seriously was like, mm-hmm. that's a that's definitely a real mutant. Like, that's gotta be. No. And, I was and pretty impressed so, with that. Yeah. So the backstory is that Magneto did some kind of experimental, like, you know, power-boosting treatment on her that kind of worked, but it sort of, like, made her powers you know, spiral out of control mm-hmm. over the course of many years. Mm-hmm. And that's, and eventually she died in a hospital ha- or like having lost control of her powers completely and incinerating herself. Yeah. She basically yeah. cooked herself from the inside, giving her daughter an aversion to cooked meat. Yeah. yeah God. Yeah. It's really gross. <laughs> Jessica's a vegetarian now because mm-hmm. of the smell of her mother burning to death, which is, I don't know. It doesn't seem as dramatic when it's like, kind of lay it out just like in little bits and pieces but mm-hmm. when you put it all together it's like oh she tries, my god she tries not to like play it up but like yeah. she had she's been through some heavy shit totally yeah and when it's revealed it, it's it takes some time to get to that point but when you do get there you know enough to be like oh man and i know we can yeah. jump ahead in terms like of all of this backstory too mm-hmm. that like we read through chapter six right yeah. Mm-hmm. Later in conversation with someone else, Magneto says, yeah, I didn't actually do anything to her mom. It was a placebo. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't absolve me of responsibility because, like, I didn't, by not giving that information to her, it probably hurt the doctors who were actually trying to help her, who were actually, like, looking for causes that were not right. there yeah. by, like, this treatment that I supposedly did. Yeah. And so that's why he's not even telling, like, Jessica about this. It's like, that, that, that would be, like, me trying to make excuses mm-hmm. when really, like... Yeah. I like, was totally at really fault. Up. Yeah, I yeah. really fucked up on this. We learn at the same time with this mother backstory mm-hmm. that um, Jessica has a, an ability to withstand heat. Yes. Which mm. is why. And she was playing that's, a kind of nurse for her mom during her last few years. And that's her stated mutant ability is that she is immune beginning. to heat. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, apparently, as a byproduct, is always always a perfect temperature. She like she says yeah. she, like, she never sweats like from exertion <laughs> or whatever because like her body just like maintains the temperature it wants to be at. And she she also, can never get a tan. Yeah, well, she can never get a tan. I know that was one of her. Like she's immune to like radiation. She can't get X-rayed. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think she knows about lasers at first, but that she learns later on that she is immune to lasers. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the the greatest part is like it, it gives her a lot of little character quirks. Like she likes to drink things that are boiling hot. Like she just finds yeah. it to be more like it just it's better to her. I yeah, don't know. Like, mm, oh yeah, it's boiling. <laughs> You're yeah. Like okay, yeah. <laughs> must taste better. At <laughs> least once, you know, Doug tries drinking the coffee that she was drinking, and mm-hmm. she, and, and she tells him like, "Careful, it's hot." But, like, she also can't quite understand how hot it is compared to, like, right. yeah. you know, what somebody else would withstand because she has no way to well, relate to that, really. She would probably have some memory because most mutant powers don't manifest until, like, puberty. Right, right. right. It's but probably true. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. That's a good point. So th- that's a thing. And so Magneto kind of convinces her to give it a shot staying there because, you know, he he wants to nurture and protect the new generation of mutants. And he's like, look, you can hate me. That's fine. That doesn't mean that it's not a good idea for you to be here instead yeah. of out where, like, you know, horrible anti-mutant bigots are attempting to mm-hmm. actually murder you or whatever. Because this organization had tortured her for days. Yeah. And we're probably going to just let her die mm-hmm. if she had not been found. So right. he's like, there's a real threat. They they found you pretty easily and you were basically off the grid already. Like, maybe you should stick around. Mm-hmm. Give it a month. Yeah. Yeah. And she eventually accedes to that. Yeah. And partly it's because, Magneto aside, there's, like, some people who've been nice to her and, like, she can actually, like, talk to people about 
what's actually up with her, which is a new and novel experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people her general ballpark age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the fact that apparently, you know, people are after her and she was, like, homeless and she's underage, so uh, it's not DHS, but it's some other acronym that mm-hmm. stands for DHS is if they find her, they're going to take her into foster care. She's mm-hmm. very close to turning 18, like, only a few months, but she's like this is a lot safer. I won't have anybody like, you know, I won't be homeless. I won't have anybody like looking for me and throwing me into the foster system. Mm -hmm. And she'd run away from her last foster home. Right. So. And so we have an initial part, first part of the fanfic, which is her kind of like getting to know the other characters. Um, It's all pretty pleasant. And, you know, I mean, everyone is nice people. So like, even though they have their own personalities, it's all like mostly pretty, pretty pleasant and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything we want to say about that kind of initial part? I, I, I do like, I, I gotta say, like, Ileana is one of the ones who comes in to talk to her early, just like on the bedside. Mm-hmm. And I like that part where um, it's like, yeah, Ileana summarized her, like, her backstory, basically, which, you know, involved, like, living 10 years in Hell Dimension and, like, Demon Lords. And I, I took mm. it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that she, line, she, too. She's uh. just like, okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say that, um, yeah, the I think if you know New Mutants a little bit better, like, a lot of these characters, like, it would have been pretty funny, like, how they laid themselves out at the mm-hmm. beginning, but, like, it a little bit flew by for me. Um, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of, it's like, a lot of characters, information, right? right? Yeah. But um, Jessica really stands out because it's all like as we mentioned it from her perspective and she has a lot of flavor in her dialogue mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. she she really states her opinion about most things and uses a lot of like turns of phrase that give you an idea of who she is so i feel like this author like laid out her personality really well at the how start. would you describe jessica's personality i think that she's kind of like you know no nonsense She's a little defensive. She, yeah, a little you know, bit defensive in private, private and, like, independent. Yeah. And this is all from her life circumstances. Yeah. But it, it's not yeah. like those define all her actions, but, like, she's consciously kind of making an effort to, like, mm. you know, reach out a little bit yeah. to these people. That's something she has right. to be conscious she's, of. She's a bit of a jokester. She's, like, yeah. good-humoredly she's sarcastic little, at yeah. times. Sarcastic is a great word. And I, I saw that as a distinct difference between her and Ileana. Mm-hmm. Like, she's sarcastic, but she's got a softer side than, say, the other character. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt really grateful toward the author while reading the first couple of chapters because I didn't know these characters very mm-hmm. well. And I was, like, kind of just taking it in and being like, okay, I guess this is what the characters are like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I not having the background, I think that she really detailed all the characters really well and, and gave me an idea of who they were. Yeah. So I didn't have to go and do a lot of deep research to try mm-hmm. and figure out what was going on. Totally, yeah. So. I mean, it helps. You know, they're comic book characters. They've got stuff going on, but for the most part, they've also got personalities you can summarize pretty quickly, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Rain is, like, the the naive one. Mm-hmm. But she's also the youngest. Mm-hmm. It's actually interesting how much their ages mm-hmm. vary. Yeah. Like, I think Rain's 14, and, like, yeah. uh, Sam is 19. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think there would be a temptation in, like, a teenage book to be like, everybody's, like, 16 or 17. Right. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> just to, like, make things easy. But they don't. Oh, yeah, there's another there's another character who I don't remember where she's at at this point in continuity. But um, Sean's not there, who is, whose name is Karma. I think her codename is Karma. And she's the queerest character, so I'm sorry she's not there, but... Yeah, <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, this is kind of an unfortunately heterosexual story, even though Magneto is so clearly gay. I don't know what the author was thinking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, 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 like, one of the doujinshi I'm sitting on is definitely just Magneto, Charles, like, slash. They are so hot for and each Especially other, in like, this era where it's that's like... true love. <laughs> where, where it's like our deep friendship and, you know, background with each other have, like, led me to, like, change my entire lifestyle and, like, philosophy yeah. and... Charles is just like, I'm off to space. Bye. <laughs> see ya. Yeah. Like, I would With my like hot to alien see... girlfriend. Take care of these kids. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I would have liked to see more heartbroken Magneto. Yeah, he seems to be Charles coping with that lost, pretty well. Yeah. He's, he's just stoic. He's just Mo- holding it in. Yeah, mostly. But you're yes, right. Yeah. The extent that she's holding things in, it's like he's not stoic about, like, oh, I miss my friend. He's stoic about, like, I don't actually feel qualified to do this, but I'm just going oh. to compensate by trying it really hard and yeah. hearing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he does is... try it really hard. <laughs> Magneto's characterization is really interesting in this because he's, like, this weird mix of, like, everyone describes him as hot mm-hmm. and apparently he's in his 60s because or at least 60 don't worry about it too much he turned right? into a baby for a while like yeah he's, he's supposed to be silver hair well, right he's a silver hair yeah. i thought he was a little younger than 60 but then stevie says he's twice her age so that would make him 60 because she's supposed to be 30 well this probably anyway. takes place when it was written which would be about 87 88 mm-hmm. right and um he's a holocaust survivor true and so thinking about his backstory in, that's probably about accurate in terms of like number of years he's been around. Right, right. His physical body, who knows? Like who knows, yeah. he went through some weird stuff. But yeah, he's described as like, you know, suave and attractive, but then when you see this narrator, actually this narrator is a little weird. If mm-hmm. I really want to go into that, seems kind of sometimes is, is omniscient despite being most of the time in first person well yeah. wait but um i i when you get see inside you his mean. head when was that there are some parts that are third person right yes there are some parts where jessica was not there so they're clearly written in third person right but it's i guess it's not super clear like sometimes you have yeah magneto on his own so i guess that is mm-hmm. a change of POV. It's but, not strictly Jessica's point of yeah, view. Yeah, you're right. I guess that's a, the, the best way to put it. Speaking of Jessica's point of view, I found it and maybe it was written this way on purpose, but mm-hmm. I found it confusing that Jessica had has so much hatred for him and at the same time there's all these like lusty descriptions of him yeah. from her perspective. <laughs> it's super weird. She's like, this asshole's really hot. Like, this silver fox jerk face. <laughs> Who killed that's, my mom? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's kind of what I was trying to speak to you there, is that yeah, it's really unclear. But it's then a little sometimes weird. we get into his head and he's like kind of just really awkward in his own head. He's like, I don't really know what I'm doing with these kids i'm winging this mother hen thing (laughs) but he's very reserved so it's interesting to see his actual actions which are like mostly just being so reserved that no one gets much off of him appearing out of nowhere and then kind of being like i'm trying here guys inside his head where he's like anxious about it and then jessica's perspective being like 
he's evil and hot, and the other people's perspective of, like, he's magnanimous and hot. Mm -hmm. You get kind of this really interesting... Magnetic. Magnetic, yes. You see everything that starts with magnetism. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I know. It's Magnus, Magneto, Master of Magnetism. (laughs) Yeah, probably at some point. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Our next major kind of source of conflict comes with... They they convince Jessica to go in the danger room, because, like, everybody's got to do it. Like, even... You know, Kitty had to do it when she came. Like, Cypher has to do it, even though he has no combat powers or, you know, particular physical powers. Well, that's... He he always has a bit of a complex about that in the comics, which is reasonable when you're next to, like, somebody who turns into living magma and, like, somebody who flies (laughs) Uh through the air and punches through walls and can't be hurt doing that, Mm -hmm. you know? And he's like, I can speak Swedish fluently, which... Whenever I want. (laughs) Like, like really, he should just be behind a computer doing ridiculously useful things all the time. But, like... Mm -hmm. Because they're not even supposed to be superheroes, they're just, like, sneaking out all the time to do it. It's not just, like, Doug, you stay behind. I mean, there is a practicality in it. Like, at the very least, if we're attacked and you're with us, you should at least know how to throw a punch, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he gets that amount of training. But yeah. He's, but he's also not someone who's talented at it in particular. No. <laughs> like, so, whatever. Anyway. I love his character for that, too. <laughs> yeah. He's just this, like, sunny jokester kid yeah. who's like, I, I don't really belong in this danger room, but, uh. <laughs> you know. I know. He d- he does a good job of, like, playing off his, playing everything off with a joke, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty funny. Yeah. And so, anyway, they, they, they make Jessica go through the danger room. And unlike Doug, for example, she's had, like, significant martial arts training. She's in good shape. So, like, she can do a lot of, like, just athletic kind of, like, danger yeah. room avoidance stuff. Mm-hmm. But Magneto up there at the controls kind of drops a few hints where he's like, yes, this will definitely be a true test of your abilities. And she's like... All oh. of your abilities. <laughs> he's like, is, is he on to me? Uh-huh. He's on to her. Mm-hmm. And he eventually just, like, deploys the laser robots or whatever, right? Like, what's uh, he eventually... No, no, no it he, wasn't him who did it. It he, was, like... Wait, he, a, he starts with, like, there's, like, a... a, a couple of robots. A jump that's kind of a little bit too mm. far for her to do, and she helps mm. herself out a bit. All it right. turns out she's extremely telekinetic. Mm-hmm. And... It, we, it, it comes out a little bit later. Apparently, the way her powers work is that she absorbs all of this excess energy, you know, be that heat or whatever, constantly, and her body just stores it up the way mutant powers get to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then she can just unleash that as telekinetic power. Yeah. yeah. And Magneto's like, maybe you store it in, like, a mini pocket universe? Well, that's maybe just, like, yeah, that's Star Trek technobabble, right? It's like, yeah, it, it, it works somehow, whatever. Yeah, they talk about a lot of different, how there's different ways of being telekinetic. Yeah. I just, like, like fun, that idea. Fun flavor, I like, yeah. I wish I had a, a pocket universe to store things in. That'd right? Yeah. <laughs> and... So she ends up, like, he ends up pushing her to the point where she, like, deploys her powers in self-defense and, like, is kind of, like, trying to tear out the... She Oh, yeah, she pound... She, like, first she's using her telekinesis to, like, pound at the, like, off switch at the end of the room. And she's like, let me friggin' out of here. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like, when that doesn't work, then she, like, really cuts loose and destroys a lot of stuff. Afterwards, they're like, oh, you were trying to hit the, the like, the off switch telekinetically? She breaks like, through the alien... Um, Shi'ar technology danger yeah, room Yeah, the thing, shield yeah. in front of the door breaks through it and then just rips the door apart. And it was a out. bit of an unfortunate escalation because they rigged it, like, it's set up so you can't, so telekinesis doesn't turn off the room, mm-hmm. so you can't just do that because right. they were testing other telekinetics. Mm-hmm. But, like, she didn't know that, and they didn't know she was trying to do that, and, like, it's, <laughs> right. you know, it, it, it gets escalated farther than needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, this is another thing for her to hold against Magneto, of course, because it, he yeah. kind of just didn't respect her wishes to keep that private. But he was like, you got to learn to control your powers because that's the premise. 
right. of the X Men. Mag- he's Magneto, so he's like, have some pride. You right. know, you you're special. Let's let's right. you know celebrate it. He also like wasn't. I don't. He kind of admits that he like wasn't certain what her powers were, mm-hmm. but he suspected based on her mother's powers and having like that she had some kind of like control yeah, energy, something going on. Right. Yeah. So it almost seems like it was more his like scientific curiosity that provoked it more than anything. It's interesting because his motives are just so unclear sometimes. Like, he's like, I love these kids. And you're like, do you? <laughs> I mean, he does. He also just gets very excited. There's this, yeah. there's this interesting subplot that's kind of astute after this. Where, like, he, you know, he trains her. He's, like, trying to work with her. He, like, tests the limits of her powers. Like, seems very excited. He's like, that was very good. Like, you, you held up this ridiculous amount of energy. And Danny specifically gets really resentful for her over it. Mm-hmm. Where she's like... Oh, yeah, Magneto's really excited. He finally has a mutant here with powers worth getting excited over. Mm-hmm. And she's, she misdirects that anger at Jessica by being really yeah. snippy at her. And yeah. part of that is like, oh, you weren't honest with us. But part of it is really she should be chewing out Magneto for, like, for singling out Jessica as, like, the special cool kid because she has mm-hmm. the strongest powers. And, to be uh, fair, I mean, it, it's nice because you can see everyone's point of view. Mm-hmm. And Magneto's just kind of like... This is interesting. Yeah, and this he's is just, really cool. Yeah, he's just kind of focused on that, not thinking about how it might be affecting the kids. You can see Danny like kind of figuring out. She's she actually admits she's like I'm jealous. I think I'm just jealous. Well, once once they kind point, of once they, they kind of get in a out. fight and yeah. hash it out, she's yeah. like, and yeah, and I like Jessica's reaction where it's like that was totally obvious. It was obvious that you were jealous. But like Danny yeah. in that moment is like I'm I'm getting in touch with my feelings here. Yeah. <laughs> It's an ugly emotion to admit having, right? Right, yeah. So I was like, good for you, you know, being able to admit that, not only to yourself, but to another person. It was a nice moment. This brings up one of those kind of X-Men superhero comic things where it's like, Jessica, once this comes out, she's the most powerful person in terms of like a fight in the group. Mm -hmm. Maybe not most powerful, period, because Ilyana can go to a hell dimension where she can travel through time at any moment. And, you know, like, she can teleport other people there, including sometimes if they're trying not to. She's pretty cool. But, like, just in terms of, like, punching through stuff, it's like Rain turns into a wolf and, you know, Jessica can lift, like, a million tons and, like, create yeah. telekinetic shields and is immune to lasers. Yeah. And, but but that's okay. Like, you know, it's one of the nice things about kind of well-written superhero comics where it's, like, the degree of your power is not that important if you're writing if your writing is good, which, mm-hmm. you know, it is in this fanfic, mm-hmm. it's like, you've got Superman on the Justice League next to, you know, not even Batman, but like someone who's just kind of less good than Superman, like, um, <laughs> next Lantern, to Green no. Lantern, well, Green Lantern oh, can no. do some own things. It's like Hawkman. Uh, yeah. Like, it's like you got Superman next to Hawkman. And, you know, in, just in X-Men, it's like, Rachel Summers was rolling with the X-Men for a long time, and she was just like, an equally powerful telekinetic as Jessica, and a super powerful telepath. And it's just all about, like, writing stuff for everybody to do in the story, whether that Mm -hmm. is superhero stuff or character stuff or whatever. And so, like, it's not a big deal, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, this is... Narratively, I mean. Yeah, well, and this... Yeah, this is nice because you get everybody who's already at the school really wanting to accept Jessica, but Jessica being, like, hesitant to share her powers, like, everyone having a different reaction Mm -hmm. over the true reveal. Like, Doug... Is like everybody's basically upset, but they all deal with it in a different way. Yeah, you know, Doug like uses yeah, he, a no, joke, but yeah, then he, he admits like, that he was upset when makes a joke about but it. But then right? makes a joke, and then then they resolve it because she apologizes. But then yeah, like this whole thing with um, 
with Danny and her was just like a, a giant super fight. It was a super well, fight. It, it, it was like a super fight. They get in a fight in Danny's room and like well, she throws around her clothes telekinetically. Yeah, Jessica like, like well because Jessica she like wraps her up in her own dirty oh clothes from the floor. <laughs> well, yeah, she walks into the room and Jessica is established like kind of a clean freak. Like right. so she walks into Danny's room as a total mess. And I think that's the first thing that sets her off. But she doesn't want to say anything because it's like this is how someone else lives. But you know, from its from her perspective, she's obviously upset about it. And then the escalation happens is that she like yeah lifts all the clothes off. She really wants to clean her room for her. Actually, like that was the right. weirdest part. They're in was, there to study. That's why yeah. they're there. <laughs> right. She didn't just walk in and just be like, "You're messy," and this is over. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, she. Like, Danny definitely started it, but she took her impulse and created an opportunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she wraps her up in all her clothes. Then Magneto walks in. Yeah, he, he, he walks in just when Danny's about uh, to, you know, invoke Jessica's greatest fear, which is actually probably a specifically dangerous thing oh to do gosh, against a powerful yeah. telekinetic who is not that used to using their and powers. has, right? like, mm-hmm. serious recent trauma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And we learned later that Danny was starting to retaliate. Yeah, but that's what we I didn't was saying. See yeah. That. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. Like just when she was about to use her power on, yeah. on Jessica. Yeah. Um, but and- we only learned that, yeah, when they're in Magneto's office and he's chastising them both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like the time where I felt like he was like the most the character we're supposed to see him as, which is just kind of like really paternal. Yeah. Um, but that- very also a little bit reserved. And not exactly sure what to do with teenage girls. You know, he's like, I'm disappointed in you both. (laughs) I I remember in New Mutants. Sorry, Dad. Also, where, like, he kind of leans too hard at one point into, like, the stern disciplinarian. It's like, you can do better than this, all of you. I expect more great things from you. And, like, Mm. Stevie has to do, like, the pushback of just, like, they just went through this, like, serious trauma shit. Mm. Like, lay lay the hell off of them, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, and he's just like, oh, yeah, okay. Because he's, he's, like, really feeling out this, like, amount to which to be, like, a stern paternal figure, like you said, versus, like, trying to be, like, sympathetic, which he's not that great at. It's fun. It's a fun dynamic. I like this Magneto. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me too. I've had a, yeah, I, I do like him too, which is why I've been thinking about him so much though, is it's like, he's like, he's likable in the sense that it's like, it's kind of what you expect like an older father to do is to be a disciplinarian. But then I like, I have to just like step back and criticize that a little bit and mm-hmm. be like, you know, he's not being very empathetic to these kids, but yeah, well, it the, also the, seems like he's awkward about it. Yeah, so. the fact that he's not great he's about it is dad. what makes it so charming, right? Right, <laughs> but it's like uh, it's very much that dad archetype that, like, I'm not sure if I think is a good one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, anyway. coming from a guy who has a history of being used to henchmen, <laughs> I, I feel pretty proud of him. <laughs> oh yeah, no, much better. Toad shows up a later in this fanfic. Mortimer, Does. whatever his name is, Graves. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's, you know, a sycophant, basically, right? And Magneto is always very respectful to him at this point. And in conversation with someone else, he's like, look, I picked up this guy, like, for my group when he was at, like, a really, you know, mentally traumatized place. And I basically enslaved him instead of helping him. And that's something I've got to live with. And at this point, he's like, I, he kind of, like, really wants to, like, support him as much as he can at the same time also being out of his life because that is not a good dynamic. He was like, there's not a good dynamic for either of us. Right. Like, right. So what yeah. happens in the story is Toad shows up at the school while Magneto is away and is, 
I don't know if he's threatening, but he's demanding to see Magneto and he brought right. and like, he's got a, this, like a makeshift alien spe- He's got like a cache of alien technology around. Don't worry about it. Sure. He, he, it, stuff happened to him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Jessica was like, oh my God, it's a spaceship and it's trying to like capture me in a, like a beam of some kind so she yeah. like totally tears well, it apart yeah and and then afterwards when she meets everyone else you're like oh we just calmed him down like we yeah we had just... he's freaking out <laughs> she i was broke totally unclear on that because doesn't she say something like i didn't do anything well she she was pushing back against the like oh the i see tractor beam, the tractor beam yeah. and oh, then so like and then, and then it, it to break and okay. that caused it to break but she wasn't like trying to break it no, that's no, what no. she keeps insisting she's like it just it just fell apart i don't know <laughs> and then and then all the other kids are like we got to come up with a code name for you how about overkill <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because before this she broke not only broke the danger room but then she had another test which was like a test of her psychic power and she mm-hmm. broke, broke the something meter they were using it to test her so yeah yeah the overkill ribbing is some good stuff where yeah yeah that's one of the ways that <laughs> they kind of interact with her um uh, anyway she sort of takes it personally and then she sort of blows it off she knows it's how they're being friendly but she's still like wary she's she like, doesn't no <laughs> yeah just like that's not funny guys yeah <laughs> come on they keep pitching code names at her in one scene where they're like look if you're gonna hang out with us you need a code name because just on the practical level if something ends up going down we need to be able to say something that is not like the name that you have gone by you know well yeah they don't know that just no, they, they don't Pierce know that's is not, not her, name, her right. real name that's right that's not her real name so right? they're like well we have to protect your identity and she's thinking like it's mm-hmm. fine. It's like, it's they, they don't fine. actually she settle. She doesn't say anything out. at that point. She's gone like through a million names at this point. It mm-hmm. seems like, or well, not it's, you know, at least five. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because they they're pitching out names, and like at one point, someone gets on a kick of like song titles. Yeah, and that's when Kid Dynamo gets thrown out. Mm-hmm. But she's also just like, eh, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it, it, at the point we've read, it hasn't come back up. It was like mentioned true, once. Yeah. And like and never comes back up again. Yeah, this is the title of the fix that so we were sort of. I, I was kind of expecting assume. her to be like, I like the ring of that, but she's just like, eh, no. No, she's like, no. But that's totally in her character. Right. I mean, yeah, not to derail us on the other discussion, but it's totally in her character to just be like, you guys are trying really hard, but I, I don't know. I'm hesitant. She's, yeah, she's very also, hesitant. She's also just, just kind of like not folding herself into the group completely immediately. Yeah, right? well, she has she's, a hard time trusting yeah. people, you know. Sure. Yeah, and she's still she's sort nice, of but... planning on leaving, mm-hmm. so she doesn't want to get too right. attached, although she's clearly becoming attached. Speaking of right. trusting people, we can hit on one of the other big, we'll, we'll circle back around the order of, op- of events here, it doesn't matter too much. But like one of the big events here that happens is that they go to a formal dance at the Massachusetts Academy which is the one that Emma Frost runs, who is right. at this point a villain. But she's a yeah. villain. But she's a villain who, well, okay, so there's two things about that, Tori. One is that she's a villain who is running her own school of young mutants. Yeah. Called the Hellions. Call, well, the, the, the school's not called the Hellions. The group no, is called the, the Hellions, yeah. like they're the new mutants. The yes. school is the Massachusetts Academy. Yes. And the other thing is that at this time, Magneto is the black king of the Hellfire Club, which is kind of an evil organization, mm-hmm. but he's with that kind of to have more allies against anti-mutant groups, like they kind of teamed up to fight some evil symbol from the future and stuff. And she's the white queen of the Hellfire Club, and it's all kind of yeah. a, like, they don't approve of each other all completely, but they're tentatively, like, there's a ceasefire in place. And so that's part, and the other part of it is, I think, just, like, at this point in X-Men continuity, the community of young mutants is so small that there is kind of an interest in, like, having people know each other rather than, like, 
being at each other's throats all the time, mm -hmm. just kind of as like a community building sort of thing. So right. naturally, you set up a prom. Right. right. But yeah, uh, so yeah, there. well, I guess we can get into that. Yeah, uh, well, I was going to say the characterization of Emma Frost is We don't get much Emma interesting. Frost here. Well, um, it's like, she's, well, I mean, Jessica's perspective of her is she's like an evil bitch. I mean, that's basically what she pretty says. much what she was at the, yeah, in the comics I, at that I, time. I guess. Like, I don't, like, I, I don't remember her being so, like, cold and evil. She was and dark, pretty evil. But, like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I remember correctly. Huh. That being the case, the Hellions are so portrayed. kind of, like, just, like, super powerful and, like, very, like, well, cold is probably good, but, like, more, like, distant than, like, bitchy and uh, sarcastic, but maybe I'm wrong. That's more like modern Emma Frost, who is probably a better mm. character than old Emma Frost, but, like, okay, not maybe too much that's... you can do with just evil. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Maybe that's my, yeah, my, like... Maybe that's my taking in. However, the characterization of the Hellions is pretty, I think, spot on to the mm -hmm. comics. Where like they're all pretty decent people, except for friggin' Empath. Oh like, my that, gosh. That's kind of the like. This you was know... a crazy curveball. <laughs> oh that yeah. They threw in here. So yeah, they go to to mutant prom, which is like almost like <laughs> Harry prom. Potter style. Yeah, it is. Like where the like two elite schools of magic users, mutants, come together and they all dance together, but they. They're, they don't really get along, you know, because they're rivals. And... and we don't really need to worry about most of the Hellions, because right. most, mostly they're, like, decent sorts. Some of them, like, kind of friendlier to the New Mutants than others. There's some crushes going on, or at least, like, physical attractions going on in certain yes. quarters. Doug ends up, like, going and making out with Roulette, apparently, at some point. <laughs> I forget her actual name, Anne-Marie. Everybody's and, crushing like, on Thunderbird. Everyone's yeah. crushing on Thunderbird because yeah. he's, like, huge and buff and hot. And, yeah. like, friend and he's also, like, friendly and nice, right, yeah. mm -hmm. as yeah. things go. But then there's Empath who he's just the worst in the comics. Yeah. And he's yeah I like, didn't know at all, so I had to look this up. No, he's he's terrible. Like, he's the sort of person who will just, like, traumatize you because you annoyed him. And he controls emotions, which is, like, the creepiest well, power. Yeah, it, it mm -hmm. is. I mean, I, I did not remember this character. I don't know if I ever... He never like, showed up in yeah. Uncanny that I can remember. It's right. all New Mutants. I, like I said, I, yeah. didn't, I don't remember any of the New Mutants, even though I think I probably read some. When I found out what his power was, I was like, yeah, that's really distressing. Like, this is basically just... Like a character whose power is emotional abuse, and I mean he he previously like, did it, some really literally, horrible yeah. shit to Tom and Sharon specifically, literally, which we don't need to go into. But like, scared me. Yeah, like, yeah. It was like re-traumatizing in a way. Like hearing of the concept of his power and how he might have used it, even though the author doesn't go into specifics. It's like imagining it was terrifying and and everybody hates him and like you know yes. it, like his teammates hate him the new mutants hate him everybody hates him and like because he's the worst on a personal level and like on a you know just every yeah. level but and, and here's our jessica and she sees yeah. him and she knew him from childhood i they guess they were childhood like, friends <gasps> my little brother right. she runs well, up to well, what's his name manuel manuel yeah, yeah. she calls yeah. him Man manuelito yeah. yeah yeah manuelito and he calls but... her by oh what's was that Oh, no, go on. And he calls her by, what is it, her Europa. actual name? Europa, which, which was actually her birth name. Yeah. And, like, Oh, she I thought and, that was, like, a superhero name. No, mm -hmm. she and her mother okay. crashed with them, with his family, for, like, some time. And there's, like, a weird backstory going on there. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently he had a crappy, abusive father yeah. mother, as well. Um, but anyway, they spent enough time together that, like, they, like, pledged, you know, fraternity 
you know, child, uh-huh. whatever you call that, sibling. Yeah. Like, like they think of themselves as siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they you know, like foster siblings because yeah, their parents live together and and. So they go off and have a talk, and everyone's like, uh, are you, look, don't go off in private with Empath. Like, that's a terrible idea. He's mm-hmm. the worst and incredibly yeah. dangerous. And she's mm-hmm. like, he would not do anything to hurt me. He would, they're like, yeah, that's what you think, but he manipulates emotions. And she's like, he would not manipulate my emotions. Yeah. I knew him before he got his powers. Right. Everything's fine. And yeah. she goes Everyone's off like, well, she's even yeah. heard the stories of what he's done, but she still trusts him. Yeah. She, like, can't reconcile that with yeah. the person she knew. Mm-hmm. And talking to talking to him like some of that comes out where it's like you see a more vulnerable side of him he seems to care for her but then also in dialogue he'll like suddenly like throughout it's like oh well what maybe we should kill magneto and like run off and she's like yes eh. yeah. like he he has this very uh direct uncaring almost right. you know i don't know what you would call it like psychologically but like his problem solving is very like what what will make things best for me and right. the people I care about instantly right uh, now. Right. It's interesting because, yeah, you don't perceive any direct threat to Jessica because no. he seems to be genuine towards her and genuinely caring for her. But you do but, get that moment where it's like, oh, he's not misunderstood. He's actually really messed up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when, when she you goes back... You understand that he's willing to do anything. And when she goes back to debrief, she's like, I think he's like really actually like... Crazy. You know, and they're like, like duh. Like, 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 like he needs <laughs> mental help. Yeah. And she has this really distressing conversation with, I think, Magneto about eventually, where he's like, yeah, here's the thing. You're probably right, and probably Emma Frost is not helping things, because probably whatever mental state he's in is, like, one that makes him more pliable to, like, what she wants to do with him. Mm -hmm. And as long as he's there at the Master's Academy, that's probably how it's going to stay. Like, he's probably not going to improve in that circumstance and dynamic. Mm -mm. But at the same time, no one is quite willing to go to all-out war and, you know, yeah. break this fragile truth, truce for the sake of empath. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of where it stands yeah. at the end of this whole crazy, like, circumstance. He's also done so many messed up things. Right. And during this whole thing... Oh, yeah, there's also, like, this other yes. shit that goes down. <laughs> Which um, may or may not be his fault. Well, it is his fault. Apparently, he was trying to influence Amara... But someone also spiked the punch. So first, let's yeah. talk about the structure of this chapter. Is oh yeah, it's it really starts, interesting. It's, it's interesting. actually really good. Yeah, it starts as a debrief, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like Magneto going like, "Okay, how did this shit happen? Right. Everybody talk me through it." And then it goes back into Jessica's reflection, mm-hmm. and then but it goes back jump, and forth. It'll go right. back and forth. Yeah to the debrief and then back into her reflection. So you kind of already know that something crazy happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's all these like kind of building up pieces, like uh, kind of like solving a crime. So spiking the punch is the first thing that we have a reveal of. Someone (laughs) spiked the punch. And at mutant prom. <laughs> at mutant prom. And it's affected a couple people. And like Amara ends up like kind of Get going into some crazy jealous rage at like man yeah. at, at at empath at Manuel, but like that was apparently not intended, and like he was apparently probably causing her to like try to fo- trying to cause her to fall in love with him a little bit, but then yeah. also there was yeah. like some sort of like altered state going on, and so when he steps up and he's like, no wait, calm down, 
like they end up cl- someone clocks him on the back of the head with something right like rain like just knocks him out immediately yeah. and like to she prevent no- him from using his and, power. And to prevent him from using his power and she and Alayda teleport him out and like they're like in retrospect he was actually probably trying to calm her down and knocking him out was probably the worst thing we could have done at that situation but, yeah whoops you know w- whenever someone starts acting crazy the first thing you do is knock out empath right so mm-hmm. yeah there you go there you go but yeah i can't <laughs> fault him for that really no. <laughs> it's not a bad plan considering what they know of him and what right. he's done and then you know magma, uh, but, yeah, the lava gets thrown that... everywhere the place gets set on fire like stuff yeah. is happening what amara is doing is she's jealous because um jessica kissed manuel in the cheeks mm-hmm. so she's trying to like kill jessica is basically what's happening anyway which considering it's Jessica is probably the best case scenario because she just she just throws her into, into a pond, mm-hmm. murders a bunch of ducks and fish, feel, and puts the fire so out. Bad about the she ducks. Does. She didn't think about the consequence of throwing someone like made boiling, of magma into boiling a, into a, a pond, pond. Right. and then she's like, "Oh no, the ducks!" And she's really sad, and I'm sad too. And yeah. I'm sure she's reliving a little bit of trauma related oh, to her true, mom there too. She's true. like, "Oh." Anyway, basically, the, like, the place burns down, and at the end, they're basically, like, they're jetting out of there to gather everyone together, like, everyone's safe and good, and, like, on the way out, Magneto, whoever, like, to Emma Frost, is just like, you'll clean this up, right? Thanks. And, yep. like, they, they take <laughs> off. It's terrible. It's great. It's weird, because I'm laughing so much about that chapter now, because, like, in retrospect, it's really comical, but, like, after all that heavy stuff with Empath... Mm-hmm. It almost didn't feel as comical as it is in, 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 like, the retrospect version of it. It's, um, yeah, anything else we want to say about that whole sequence? It's always fun to see the Hellions because they, as a group, were killed off unceremoniously to, like, prove that somebody was dangerous at some point. And, you know, that gets, you know, like, it changes Emma Frost's character. That's when she has her heel face turn is when, like, all these students under her charge get murdered. Mm -hmm. Uh, but... But it's just like, oh, did they ever do anything with, like, Roulette or, you know, what's his name, Jetstream? No, not really. They just got killed. Tarot. Tarot. Yeah, Tarot. Tarot had really interesting powers and vaguely defined powers. Yeah. I guess (laughs) she can see the future and manifest... Manifest things from Tarot cards, yeah. Figurings, yeah, from her Tarot cards. Mm -hmm. Why not? Which is useful. How, that latter part? Well, like, like, they'll fight for her or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, here, fight a cup. man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fight eight cups. Eight cups. <laughs> <laughs> I think you only ever see her using the major arcana, though. Yeah. Still, the hang. Still only makes sense. <laughs> uh, eight swords would be more useful. There we go. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> the chariot would be useful at some point. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, anyway, another subplot going on that I want to talk about, about briefly is that it's established that Magneto's super charismatic and hot, right? And the uh, only pretty sure. Wait, and the Magneto? Only, yes. And the, <laughs> the only master of magnetism. <laughs> the only other adult person around to pair him off with is um Stevie. Stevie, is Stevie Wonder. Not Stevie Wonder. Uh Stevie. She's quite wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Stevie Hunter. Yeah. Um, she seems like a decent person, but yeah, she no. is supposed to be only 30 years old, so Look, whatever. Let's, let's put that out there just for a second. Uh, but yeah, you know maybe, but, but the point this is magneto, I might get with this Magneto if he's a little more emotionally open he seems very closed off anyway moving on in a like supervisor meeting when he calls her in to talk about something and like oh and what about the situation with Jessica and like you know helping her adapt and stuff she basically ends up asking out on a date and he's like okay well he says I have tickets to this ballet yeah, I can't and, go and, anymore and you're a former ballet you know, dancers are probably interested in them, right? And she's like, okay, are you asking me out on a date? And he's like, uh, 
all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, he basically said, I, well, I thought you could take a friend, but, uh, and then she kind of just, like, pulls him into it. At a whim, she's just like, no, like, let's do this. Let's go see yeah. the ballet. This could be fun. She's totally into him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Who isn't? I mean. It's the yeah. start of a romantic subplot. And, right. um, yeah, I mean, Stevie Hunter is cool. Like I said, it it's weird going from this fanfic and then checking back in continuity and realizing that she was, like, just kind of dropped and forgotten about for decades. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah. at this time, it's just like, yeah, she feels important. Um, she seems like a really good person. Yeah, like, she is. And she, and for him, I, I really, especially. Yeah. I, she really understands him. And I also relate a lot to her and her struggle. Like, she had mm-hmm. a knee injury and she couldn't dance anymore and she's struggling to find an identity having to like fully at this age at 30 realize giving up her athletic future yeah. like i find that to be extremely maybe that's just me because of my personal history but no no it's always a really interesting element of know, people who like, do physical things for a living yeah and, or you know even just like if you're a an olympic athlete or whatever and, yeah. and if you or don't you know, have it if you don't have an injury still eventually you have to set it aside, right? Yeah. But, but she, it is hard. It's but really she didn't hard. even get the course of her career. And right. so at one yeah. point in this fanfic, you know, they're going to see the, the ballet and she tells him like, yeah, I actually haven't been to see professional ballet right. like since my injury because like that's kind of a tender, you know, thing to do emotionally. Mm-hmm. But she meets one of her old like ballet compatriots and, you know, they catch oh, up yeah. some. Who's now who's like, like a, a famous actress. Yeah. yeah. And so like it's, it's very... I bitter, I guess, you know, like she, not that she is, not that she feels bitter, but I'm not sure if bitter sweet is the right word because it's not so much the sweet. It's just like having to like face this right. really kind of sucky situation in her life. And yeah. she says like, like I basically come to peace with it, but apparently not fully because I still haven't gone to see the ballet. And so mm-hmm. this is kind of part of that healing process for me. But luckily for her, her sadness is mitigated by that hot, hot piece of magneto sitting next to yeah. her. That <laughs> hot, hot piece of magnetism. That's right. <laughs> her friend deduces, like, later on when they go out for drinks, that this guy is magneto and, mm-hmm. you know, has yeah. has the guts to, like, talk to him privately and be like, does she know who you are? Like, do you have any intention of harming her? And he's like, uh, look, she knows everything that's relevant without having to say, I am Magneto, master of magnetism. And, and I have no intention of harming her. Yeah. I, I, she was bold, her friend. I was oh, like, yeah. um, you know he's a super, super villain or was this at some is, point. Yeah, like, for sure. You're taking a risk here. Like the human genocidal sort almost. Yeah, you know? and you're definitely human, so. <laughs> His last big deal was just like threatening the world with like total devastation, they don't nuclear mm-hmm. disarm and stuff. But like that's the last big thing he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that's not. But even so, yeah. Even if that's not like murdering you face to face, type villainy. Yeah, still a big deal. Well, it's funny. Like her friend was definitely that. Like um, she was, I think, a combination of archetypes. She was kind of like a Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. where she was like um, apparently like super conventionally attractive. But Magneto found her to be immature, he specified, and just, like, he says, uh, later CB asked him if she tried to seduce him, he says, oh, well, she flirted with me, but I wouldn't call it seduction. You know, like, <laughs> like, I've been seduced. Listen, There's I've a been higher seduced, quality yeah. of, you know. <laughs> she takes more than that immature. to seduce the master of magnetism. <laughs> of course, right? But then she's also just, like, the protective kind of best friend, mm. and she really wants to look out for Stevie, so, and she does a good job of it. She's, like, checking this guy out, but she's keeping an open mind. Though I don't know if I would do the same thing if my friend was going out with Magneto. 
it's also she does all she can do which is i'm going to call you later and we're going to have to talk about this right (laughs) it's also interesting because it really establishes up until then the main character has been jessica and we've gotten a lot of magneto also Mm -hmm. and this is the chapter that really establishes look stevie hunter is going to be probably the third tier main character here like, mm-hmm. if we've got three main characters at the end of chapter six, it is Jessica, Magneto, and Stevie. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting yes. because I don't feel like there's a whole lot of Stevie Hunter-focused fan fiction out there. Uh, yeah. So, I've never heard of her before this, yeah. honestly. I feel like the author really related to her because, I don't know, like, they bring so much of her into it. And, like, I really related to her reading this. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Well, she's a human, which is nice. It's like a viewpoint kind yeah. of character. She's just kind of having to roll but, with some of the shit that goes down. And she's an adult, which we are at this point. So, yeah. like, that helps, too. It might have just those super-powered punches. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it might have just been that I related to her being this, like a, the same age as me yeah, and you've having had similar injuries. experiences. Yeah. yeah, like, having had my first injury at 18 and having to give up a lot of stuff because of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... You know, whether that's something we you share or not, the fact the author was able to describe it in a way that could relate to so well felt really real. Mm-hmm. So I think that's mm-hmm. definitely a strength. I agree. I also noticed that chapter, that was 5B, right? 4B. 4B. Yeah. It was 4A. That was 4A? Oh, really? There was chapter 4, and then there was chapter 4A. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, the it was reason I know this is because I skipped 4A the first time because I thought it was like some sort of redundancy. Oh, yeah. But I went back and read it. And, and the fanfic doesn't lose anything without it, but it does gain something when you. It adds you get some it depth, yeah. but it's not essential to the plot. No, it's I, not essential to the plot. It's so far. And I, I assume the author's reasoning also there was that that's the only chapter that just is not from Jessica's perspective at all. Right. Not in the slightest, mm-hmm. not right. for a single moment. That's when I get, yeah, that's when I started that one. I was like, wait a second. How does Jessica know this is happening? Then I had to think back and remember that it wasn't all entirely in her perspective, but it mostly is, so. And then the last main plot thing, things like Mutant Prom or Stevie uh, Magneto Date, those have been, like, wrapped up in a single chapter, right? Mm -hmm. But chapter six introduces a plot thread that, a plot line, you know, that is multi-issue, you know, Mm multi-episode. And that is Asgard dealings, which is interesting. That's actually one of the New Mutant storylines I'm more familiar with than others because it was across an Uncanny X-Men annual and New Mutants annual that, like, this whole Asgard stuff kind of happened to everybody. And so it's compiled in my Essential X-Men volumes alongside the X-Men because you need the other half of the story, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I've read that probably... I've read all of New Mutants once, and I've read that maybe one and a half more times. I remember that a little bit better than most things. But they get pulled back into Asgard shenanigans. What happens where they end up dressing Jessica in Storm's clothing? That's kind of how this all starts out. Right, Um, yeah. She, like, totally tries to do the hair and the uh jacket. And And this is Storm in the era where she was very punk and had a mohawk. There's a couple things that happen. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that happened is back in the danger room, she got her hair burnt off, and she's not super oh, happy with her hair. Right. Yeah, because uh, she forgot to protect her hair from her own, like from the fire, even though she's yeah. fireproof, her hair isn't. And apparently, that's um, happened before, but not for a long time because she yeah. tried not to use her powers. Right. You know, she's like, oh, dang it. But yeah, the the like aura that protects her body only extends like a little bit. Right. Her hair and her clothes her are yeah. affected, but yeah. <laughs> 
And the other thing is that she needed new clothes and she got a bunch of Storm's clothes because Storm was like closer to her size. They're both tall. Yeah, they're both tall. Like she frequently mentions that they don't fit her as well because she's, you know, like a skinny 17 year old, but uh, she still wears them. Um, and that kind of demonstrates some of her insecurity. She's like, I'm never going to look as hot as Storm does in these pants, but at right. least they're cool. So she puts on these, well, they say jeans, but then they also say leather. So I'm going to assume they're leather pants. Yeah, leather pants sounds right for what Storm yeah, is wearing they, around then. saying jeans. I'm like, <laughs> jeans means denim. So they, they've got to be leather pants. Anyway, she puts leather on these X leather jeans. pants. Basically, they're... Unstable molecules. <laughs> <laughs> they're getting ready to go to the mall. She starts trying to put on, like, fancier clothes because mm-hmm. everybody's getting dressed up. And then it turns into this, like... This whole dress-up thing. This whole dress-up like, oh, let's thing. see how, like, punk we can Same make thing. you with... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, they like, they give her like... shades. They give her, like, a mohawk yeah. of some kind somehow, well, don't they? Yeah, she gives herself Oh, yeah, because she can hold up her hair telekinetically right. without yeah. having she to deal with... She doesn't want anyone to put mousse in her hair because she says, like, I don't want that stuff to stay in my hair. And I'm like, it only stays in there until you like wash it out i don't know why you're so worried about it but yeah she straightens her own hair because it's curly showers are for humans Mm -hmm. so i I guess yeah but doug and danny are like parading her through the house and they go into the kitchen and magneto and stevie are in there and and they like jump away from each other like awkwardly and they have this awkward moment and then and then some asshole flunky of loki's basically pops in with some dimension hopping artifact He's trying to kidnap Storm, apparently. Mm-hmm. And this Storm hasn't shown up there in this entire family. Yeah, oh, that, that's so. the thing. The, the X-Men, they just keep mentioning, look, the X-Men are off doing something. Yeah. Some headquarters, I mean, is what he <laughs> says at yeah. some point. I, I'm wondering if before the end of all of this, they're going to show back up. I hope they do. It'd be really fun if they did. <laughs> anyway, she looks kind of like Storm in this era. Um, back in the the crossover... Uh, Loki had basically tried to, I don't know, set up and brainwash Storm to be like a a Mjolnir-wielding, like, you know, queen of some kind. Like, they, they forged another one because, like, Storm powers and stuff. I don't remember. Cool, um, though. But, yeah, <laughs> I think she had, a, yeah. she had a decently cool outfit. I mean, Storm with a hammer is just a general concept I can get behind. Totally. Um, so that, that's who this little jerk flunky is going after and, and but it's really bad timing <laughs> bad timing yeah. when they come when he tries to teleport back to asgard and this all happens really quickly like i think jessica maybe magneto tried to use their powers against it doesn't quite work what ends up happening is that he grabs jessica and also doug and yeah. danny it's mm-hmm. a weird explanation and magneto and, uh, well magneto and stevie also get pulled through but mm-hmm. they're sort of like dropped partway through the interdimensional teleportation yeah. magneto this, figures out that he he needs to express his power in a way that can subvert its trap like the way it traps the mm-hmm. mutants and breaks uh-huh. himself free and then decide and stevie is not affected at all she's just like pulled through and then just starts to fall i guess well like, like, like they break free of that pull after they're already out of you know earth's dimension right. out of midgard right and so they they're somewhere and right. so we have a subplot there with stevie and magneto trying to survive somewhere outside of midgard they're 
implicitly probably somewhere in like the the Asgardian, you know, Norse mythology realms, but it's not clear where. Because he was forced to make a choice. Do I follow the kids or do I save save Stevie who's going to, yeah. 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 And he he makes that choice. He doesn't go into his reasoning. I, I, I feel like you could read it like romantically, but I think the idea is like they have handled themselves in a lot of crazy situations and have powers. She is literally falling to her death at this very moment. One, and so, yeah. one like, situation has time. The other one doesn't really at all. Right. So. right. <laughs> yeah. Even though, like, they're the kids that he's the responsible adult for, mm-hmm. he still in that moment has to, like, save the life right now. Yeah. Because he, he realizes he also has a responsibility towards Stevie mm-hmm. as being a mutant versus mm-hmm. a, a human, so... And so they, but yeah, with the chapter four A, you kind of have the romantic context there too, as well. So, yeah, but and you know they get to like do a little survival stuff and you and know it's romantic. Make a yeah. he pulls some minerals out of the ground to make a shelter out of. It's romantic. You get the trope where it's like it is very cold and we need to sleep next to each other for mm-hmm. warmth. And I only yeah. have enough magnetic material in my cape for one blanket. Yeah. Yeah. There's like an explanation that he can't keep it warm while he's asleep. Oh and, yeah. Right. Know, he can, he can heat a it lot up of when, things. He can heat it up. Yeah. But not when he's, he's conscious. asleep. But and, when I'm sleeping, we need body warmth. And she's yeah. like, well then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's some silliness there. I don't fully get the explanation though of like why um, they even state like that um, Jessica doesn't look like Storm other than having her clothes. Yeah. No. So Doug makes she's the like, joke that it was her jeans that he was looking for G E A N S instead of like G E N E S jeans. It seems... And it's like that is literally the most logical explanation because there's no other one. Well, it. it... It seems to just be that this guy was incompetent. That seems yeah. to be the explanation. Yeah, and that, that's the, like, his explanation. Someone else comments. He, he misspelled the jeans word. No, no, no. Which isn't true. He, he but... just got a vague physical description of just like, look, the one with the mohawk and like, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of outfit. Pants. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he was like, got it. And, yeah, and as it happens so, to be, they dressed her up that day. One of them so. also complains, like, Doug or someone also complains, don't they know the X Men haven't been like even around in the mansion for like a month? Like, yeah. Like, didn't it's do their homework. <laughs> pretty ridiculous how it all goes down. So they, they were, but pull- you don't question it that much because it's you know comics. They were pulled, so they're pulled into Loki's court basically, and you know Loki is the ruler of a realm. Well, to finish with Magneto, oh, and, Magneto and, and Stevie, Stevie they're yeah. stuck in this place that's quite small, but it's kind of, it's like. It's one of those, like, labyrinth they, areas, Yeah, it's right? like it a labyrinthine kind of weird thing, they and, just, and they don't know yeah, how to get they out. they keep trying to travel. They describe it as a Mobius strip, where they mm-hmm. just keep coming back around to the same spot. Right. And Magneto has a dream where he's speaking with Firefall, oh, yeah. which is Jessica's mother, who says several things, one of them being, you know, Stevie's a nice woman, take care of her. Mm-hmm. And then she said something about... Um, escaping through the hole or something about uh, look for the holes in the sky or something mm-hmm. like that so i'm assuming that's how they're going to escape but oh. as of right now they're stuck yeah so as of the end of chapter six yeah. mm-hmm. and so loki's court they end up in loki's court have some dialogue uh loki can speak english but this is also kind of an a time in the fanfic where Doug gets to be super useful because he speaks Norse. Like, he speaks mm-hmm. ancient Asgardian Norse fluently. Like, yes. he does everything else as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, but they are, they've got these, like, not collars, they've got something on them, right? Like, well, they are trapped them, also, yeah. like, collared them. So if they and use so they their powers, they cannot actively use their powers. Right. Is uh-huh. the thing. Mm-hmm. And so Doug's yeah. okay, 
but like the other two can't manifest their powers without it like choking them. It's only specific and powers like that that choke them. It's only offensive powers. It's only it, it seems to be only things so, that they're actively invoking. That was right. my read on the it. The way oh, it yeah. was the way I saw it or I thought it was explained was Jessica says that she can use her ability to feel things out because it's an internal power, but anything that is mm-hmm. forced out externally mm-hmm. is caught by this kind of yeah, yeah choke collar they have on. One of the neat yes. details about her telekinetic use is that she can just sort of like feel around. It's kind of like just like patting an area, like mm-hmm. except telekinetically. So like she can feel yeah. basically where things are. She's drawing like not, energy from the air around you. Like not, she can yeah. feel that she will like get choked it because she's heat proof or anything. Mm-hmm. Like right. so yeah, anything passive is not a choking offense. Which is why and Doug's we, okay. Uh, yeah, we actually get a little more on this after chapter six, but I'm not gonna say because yeah. we're that's spoiler. Yeah, you read ahead so. <gasps> I against did. my express I'm orders. So sorry. <laughs> Just trying to get a jump. But anyway, yeah, it seems like anything passive is is not affected by the collars. Mm-hmm. And so L- Loki stands. He 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 was expecting storm he was hoping for a storm but he was like oh no my incompetent disobedient you know flunky who did this thing against my express wishes because i swore not to interfere with the x-men or new mutants again i have nothing to do with this you're like "Uh uh-huh loki Mm -hmm." all he it seems like all he needs is plausible deniability Mm -hmm. like Uh and it seems like he needs plausible deniability for like magical reasons it's like he can't be yeah he can't be like proven or obviously an oath breaker or else like that's right. kind of like karmically bad in Asgard yeah. or like bad for his, or him maintaining his magic yes. or stature or yeah. stance or like, something. Kids do something kind of clever. I don't remember specifically who it was but they're like oh we're going to be your honored guests. Right. Since, right? since it was an accident you were my honored guest yes. right? And he's like and he's in front of his whole court and he's like Yes, of course you are my honored guests. And they're like, great, can you take off these like things to prevent us using our powers? And he's like, I wish I could, no. but I don't know how they work, and I just killed that guy for disobeying me who made them. Oops. He transported him, to be fair, but he's like, I just can't get him back. Right. He's just gone now. <laughs> you're like, uh-huh. <laughs> and so yeah, like, it's so going to take like me some layers. time to figure that out. You'll yeah, just have yeah. to stay here until then. Mm-hmm. And you get the feeling that Loki's just winging it at this point. He doesn't have anything he wants these kids for, but he doesn't want to just let them go. Mm-hmm. Like... They're mm-hmm. probably going to be useful for something. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, he's keeping them around. And, you know, at least his wife, who, you know, obviously is not a fan of Loki. Long-suffering wife. <laughs> from North yes. Smith, right? Yeah. She, she's like, look, I'm going to be a good hostess to you and set you all up and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So they're pretty comfy. They go to, like, parties every night. And yeah, they, they, and well, Doug they, recites they, Bob Dylan. Yeah, Bob. <laughs> in, in Old Norse, and everybody <laughs> loves it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Doug gets on a roll as a bard because mm-hmm. he can just do perfect beautiful translations of anything mm-hmm. and so like any song yes. lyrics he has at least mostly memorized he just kind of does at one point there's a throwaway comment which is like yeah you haven't lived until you've heard alice's restaurant performed <laughs> in like old norse yeah. for like a, a raving audience <laughs> this is like you know the third or fourth time we've gotten a sense of the author's musical taste because there's mm-hmm. even something where they were at a club dancing, mm-hmm. and the song that they were dancing to was like, uh, I think it was Rock Lobster or something. Oh, uh, that sounds right. Like, well, it's mm-hmm. a song about crustacean. I can't remember if that was what it, it was sounds right. To yeah, but it was like very antiquated for the '90s. That this is written in '92, so the author's musical taste is pretty. Who old is the song school. Kid Dynamo by? I don't know. Oh, I don't remember. But yeah, so yeah, Alice's restaurant, like Arlo Guthrie. I, I totally buy that Doug, got, like, that Doug specifically this, like, is into like old folk, folk rock. rock. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that's a lot of what the author mentions is their musical references, and they seem to think they're important because, uh, yeah, who's Kid Dynamo by? I don't or uh, the song that makes that reference. Uh, Isn't anyway. that the title of a song? I think it is the title of a song, but I don't remember for sure. Well, we do have access to the internet here. In any case, Doug becomes kind of a little celebrity. Yeah, he, yeah, like, he ever it, does it. It says, like, <laughs> the, a representative from the Bardic, you know, guild immediately came and made him an honorary member, just to, like, <laughs> or, like, a full member, I should say, just to get, like... Yeah, they pin a little harp thing right. on him. and The yeah. Buggles? Oh, yeah, the Buggles. Who are the Buggles? Yeah, what? A uh, 60s rock group. Okay, well, there like, you go. Pop rock, but, you know. Um... Kind anyway, of, almost psych, I guess, but more pop maybe. Yeah, they the time when pop and psych were kind of the same. Uh, they're all kind of like trying to figure out a way to escape because they're like, if if they if everybody back at Xavier's had been able to track us, if they could have figured out where we went, they would already have teleported here through limbo. Like mm-hmm. Ilyana would be here already with the cavalry, mm-hmm. and so the fact that they're not already here means that they don't know where we are which means that we really need to, like, get out of here ourselves. They also know that there's it's difficult to leave or enter Asgard, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to figure out a way out themselves, and they don't know where Mag- Magneto is at this yeah, time. They've well. got they've got allies elsewhere, though. You know, mm-hmm. at one point, Danny's like, I don't want to get the Valkyries involved in this, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure why. It's like... Maybe you yeah. should, though. <laughs> like, absolutely you should. I don't know. Whatever your problem is, like, maybe right. you should just... Yeah, she's, she was a little reluctant, I think, to be drafted into the Val... I forget the details, but... Yeah. But even so, it's like, look, you know, you're kind of imprisoned by the Lord of Lies here, so maybe just take whatever help is available. True. Instead, they go and outfit themselves in armor and get some weapons yeah. mm-hmm. to prepare for what comes next. <laughs> and it's, it's also interesting, yeah, some, some weapons and armor, right? It's also interesting to give a little background. It's like, look, there's there's a lot of like normal people living in Asgard, and like Loki's actually like the king of his own area, and he has his, a whole court here. And even though er, on Earth it's like, oh, that's a super villain. Here, they're just yeah. like, yeah, whatever, that's our lord. He's fine, I guess. Yeah. Like, everyone, yeah. his his actual subjects seem, like, pretty neutral towards him. Not, like, you know, Victor Von Doom level of warship, <laughs> but, like... But they're so stuck right now. They're like, if only we could get to Thor. Right. But we're just, right. we can't get anywhere right now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Stuck and, in Loki's mini kingdom. And that's basically where we end the first mm-hmm. half of the fanfic that we read. That was mm-hmm. about 75,000 words. It's another 75,000 words-ish to the end of the fanfic. And for the very first time, as I said, we're stopping in the middle. So I'd like to ask what predictions you two in particular have. I remember a few things. Though honestly, I don't remember how the fanfic ends. Like, at all. But like, for example, um, any developments you expect to happen in Asgard, shall we say? Well, it's weird. I mean, I, I did read ahead a little bit, but mm-hmm. I don't think that gives me actually that much more room to play here. I don't know how long the Asgardian arc is going to last. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm confused about, is we've got another half of the book, and I could predict that... And up until now, nothing's lasted that long in terms of, like, right. an event. So we could just dip from Asgard at any time, and some new plot point could come in. Um or we could stay in Asgard a long time. I think either could happen. I do think that uh, character moments are going to be the bigger things. My hope is that with Jessica, she kind of opens up to the other characters and 
decides to become one of the new mutants, mm-hmm. and like, because it seems well, right, like it's heading. We've got to have a full reconciliation with Magneto at some point, right? Because that's yeah, such a huge theme in this. Absolutely. And as far as the Asgardian plotline goes, I'm well aware of my own ignorance mm-hmm. as far as all of the plotlines that have actually happened, so I don't know if I can specifically say what my predictions are on that, but... Yeah, there are a lot of kind of general arc things that I expect to happen. Um, A confrontation with Magneto, and I do suspect, and I could be totally wrong, that she is his daughter through Firefall. I think that's a possibility. Um, And definitely. It it would be interesting to have Empath come to the rescue at some point. You've got to do something with Empath because that was such a strong plot thread. Maybe Empath v. Loki would be interesting. I, I mean, you have to just narratively. Like, you can't introduce that as, like, such an important relationship in her life and such a, like, you know, I... fraught situation. And you can't not return to it for the other half of Whether the story. Whether or not it's guess... pretty or ugly, it's it's going to have to happen narratively, I think. Yeah. Or I... it's just going to be a really weird thing that they dropped in and then left off. Well, I, I don't fully agree with that just for the fact that the structure so far has been a lot of, like, episodic? cameos. Yeah, very episodic. Like, that I don't wasn't think... a cameo, though. That was a plot hook. Sure, yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying that I don't think you have to return to the character because, yeah, it does, like, so far, you know, you had Toad come in and you had other people come in. Like, I understand that that's really important to Jessica's life, mm-hmm. but I feel Toad like... Toad was like an uncle, could... actually. They knew each other since she was little. I met empath. <laughs> and, no, no, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking. Actually, doesn't she mention, like, I think I met Toad once when I was a kid or something. Yeah, Probably. she did. Like, I mean, well, her mom was running with that crowd, so right. it makes sense. <laughs> but uh, yeah. as far as the rest, like, I'm, I assume there's going to be a consummation, if you will, to some degree of a romantic relationship with Magneto and Stevie. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope and I think that the X-Men will show up at some point. I'm hoping to, and I don't remember at all. But, like, I don't remember a lot from the second half of this fanfic. I remember very little, in fact, which is good yeah. for this moment. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's like, you'd kind of expect them to, like, show up in the last chapter, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, the fanfic is very, very clearly not about them, but they're also kind of a looming presence in the mm-hmm. background, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. They're who the kids look up yeah. to. Especially they're... Storm. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah because yeah. Storm is uh, be Jessica's favorite. Cool if they, yeah. It would be cool if they showed up. And Claremont's I favorite. mean... Yeah, I mean, Storm's awesome. Yeah, Storm's like, great. She's amazing. She's everybody's <laughs> favorite. But anyway, yeah, no, that would be cool. But yeah, just in terms of wrapping everything around with Jessica, as I was saying, like, I feel like, you know, is CJ bring up a good point? She's going to have to have some reconciliation with Magneto mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. Him being her dad would be really interesting, but I also feel like it's not necessary, so we'll see how it goes. It's not, Um, so I'm happy either way. But but... I think the, yeah, the most important reconciliation is going to be, like, her dealing with her mom's death. And I really hope the author, like, finds a way to deal with that, because it's obviously affecting her a lot, but it's just going on in the background. Mm. And, yeah, like I was saying before, that I hope she finds community with this group of people that she's connected with. I think that's with, how it's because got I to think, end. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the goal, is that I she would, finds community here. I would not and, be surprised if, if at the very end of the fanfic, she takes on the codename Kid Dynamo as a sign that she is with the group right. now and she has a code name right. mm-hmm. yeah. and that like it does, i i would expect to like not make another appearance for another five chapters and then just like come back around to it at the very very end so All we'll right. see are you looking forward to reading more yeah i actually really enjoyed it yeah so 
Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Like, I, I don't really know where it's going to go, and I find that pretty exciting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I remember, I remember enjoying reading it a lot as a kid, and I feel like it might be the first fan work that I encountered in this form, which is to say, long novel style and already 100% complete before I ever encountered it. And so, it, like, I remember being really impressed. Like, whoa, is this just like, you know, really cool fan fiction novel like floating on the internet um and i'm happy that it's living up to my memories of it it's about exactly as good as i remembered it being which is pretty good like it's it's entertaining and Mm -hmm. you know mostly really well written and i'm not enough of a new mutants expert to say if anyone's being ill-served characterization wise but mostly just feels like it doesn't have time for everybody right Mm -hmm. right like it doesn't have time to give a lot of you know, screen time to Sam or yeah. Rain or Amara or the people who are not appearing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it does do a good job giving a little bit of, you know... Yeah, everybody, everybody gets to be there. You know? Right. No. I just mean, like, I don't know if a hardcore New Mutants fan would have, no. like, serious issues with someone's characterization here or something. Oh, I think <laughs> that's probably the case for probably. somebody, but I Someone's feel probably happy. like, Danny would never act that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I just don't remember well enough to actually say yeah. one way or the other. And coming mostly from the outside, you know, in the case of, you know, these characters, I feel pretty happy. I feel like there's a lot of cohesion and, and continuity for all the characters, so... I, I've also liked to point out the author clearly likes all the characters. Yeah. The author is definitely not, like, ragging on yeah. anybody or, like, trying to, you know... Oh, yeah. Make yeah. anybody seem not cool or nice or, you know, or interesting or whatever. The author's actually being really generous to, to everyone, like, mm-hmm. you know, trying even, to make everybody likable. Like even the, the, the Master the, of Magnetism. Those little exactly. touches, like you mentioned, everybody kind of being a little bit upset with Jessica. Not everybody, but to varying extents or in various ways being a little bit upset with Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, after, like, she hid her actual powers from them. It's like they're allowed their own kind of personhoods in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's not like it, the author gets to spend that much screen time on it, but, like, little things like that or everyone kind of having their own thing going on at Mutant Prom just helps helps everybody. It's not actually called Mutant Prom in the fanfic, by the way. It's, <laughs> it's just, like, it's just a sort of formal dance it's event. It's just called Mutant Prom in my heart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> things like that just kind of help help feel everybody be really present, which is well, a tricky thing to do in a large cast. I think the reason it does is because we get so much from Jessica's perspective. It almost mm-hmm. feels like, you know, the narrator is Jessica most of the time. Yeah. It doesn't just feel that way that that is the case, but where it's going with it feels like it feels like the, like almost like the author is really relating to Jessica the most. So the fact the author gives those moments, like Jessica might even be, a form of self-insertion almost feels. This is definitely her. not... Uh, this is the kind of character who you might... Who, you know, on internet fan communities talking ill about fan fiction, you might get the term Mary Sue thrown at her, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair. No. But no. at all. Like, I think she's actually a well-realized character, and I think that in lots of ways, and I think her power level is not the significant thing. Because like I said, that it's superhero comics her power level does not make her dominate events in the fanfic anymore. And, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, but, but But I don't... She could be a self-insertion in that we don't know how similar the author's background right. or personality is to her. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be, like, a, a self-insertion in the in the real formal sense, but, like, an author avatar type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But think- if that's the case, 
I don't think it matters much because we're introduced to Jessica so clearly as a character in this context that like, you know, who cares? The author can be like her or the author can be completely unlike her. It doesn't really. Yeah. At the very least, she's written to be a teenage girl mm-hmm. and teenage girls are very, the teenagers in general are, you know, social relationships are really important to them and it's written that way and mm-hmm. it made it very believable for me. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and there's just a lot of, like, fun dialogue from her perspective. Um, or not even dialogue, like, monologue. Like, the descriptions from Jessica's point of view are pretty fun and uh, make her character come to life. Which is why I would say it could be an author's self-insertion, just because her character is so alive. But if it's not, it, I think it's even more... Uh, impressive that this character is so brought to life through her her dialogue or yeah. her personal perspective. I wish I could have found anything else about this author, but they do not seem contactable on the internet. They seem to have disappeared long ago. Um, in any case, we'll find out more about how the fanfic is concluded next week. We're going to finish reading it and come back. The fanfic then will be chapters 7 through 12 of Kid Dynamo. You can find the link there at bit.ly slash rfrdynamo, D-Y-N-A-M-O. And this week was the same fanfic, episode 75, except we did chapters 1 through 6. And apropos of nothing, the New Mutants film is supposed to come out in April of 2020, (laughs) uh, assuming it's not delayed again, like it was two or three times already. Knock on wood. There we go. Also... According to Wikipedia, they originally had a post-credit stinger featuring John Hamm as Mr. Sinister, <laughs> and they cut that, and they had someone else to be a different villain. What? Why would you cut John Hamm as Mr. Sinister? Yeah, that is right? perfect. I mean, poor decision. Yeah, <laughs> he'd be great. I would watch the movie just for that. <laughs> no, I would watch the movie just for Liliana, but He's I would also good... look forward to John Hamm as Mr. Sinister. Have you all seen, like, John Hamm as a villain? He's a great villain. Do you and, like, hear that, Hollywood? He plays <laughs> He's such a good villain. Oh, my God. The intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreecomusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please contact us on Twitter at Retrofanfic, Facebook at Retrofanfic, Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective. Um, We've got the Instagram, Retrofanfic also, which I have not really learned how to use yet. Or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. You can also leave comments or reviews on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. Or, and those would be appreciated also. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. And I'm CJ. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other in a world that hates and fears us. Until next time, take care. Galen and I are rewatching Evangelion. 
Okay. So that we can watch the new Evangelion. What new Evangelion? Like, the, is there another new well, movie? Well, the last new movie coming out? Relatively new. The movies? Yeah. Like, I've, I've seen the older huh. movies, but not the ones that came out most recently. So. I saw oh, the second yeah. movie with Galen back when I was living in Japan. It's taken them forever. He told oh, me that, yeah. Like, in theaters. Getting this clipping. Uh, yeah, he's like, it's it's been a while. <laughs> it better be good. I was like, I'm sure it will be, but... Well, there, a third one came out in between, but, you know. Mm. Yeah, I think the fourth one is supposed to finish yeah. it or something. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if they're ever going to come out with that. It's just been forever. Isn't it? It's all... Well, the when thing did is... the first one come out, like, ten years ago? <laughs> Seems like it. Uh, yeah, definitely ten years. The second one came out ten years ago. Yeah. The first one came out in 2007, really? apparently, according to the internet Oh, my here. gosh. didn't seem because like it actually been 10 years that ago. long. Oh, my gosh. That's nuts. So, Evangelion 3... Oh, Evangelion. 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 3.0 1.0 is the name of the fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> Th- that's, that's not real. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> That's amazing. Sure. It's equivalent to Evangelion <laughs> 4.0. Yeah. Is it, though? Yeah, no, mathematically. Right. Yeah. 3. Point, okay, yeah. I, I hear there, you. There you go. Yeah. As long as the math adds up, that's all good. Okay. 